for me, it was really important to have a book that people weren't having to message me like, where do I get this? I have to go to Timbuk2 to get this strange this powder or whatever. So yeah. yeah, I kind of made sure anything in the book I could get in Tesco. And welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr. I'm delighted to welcome my guest to studio today, Roz Purcell. Roz, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so delighted to have you. This is the first time you've been on the show, so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, no, I was delighted to um, get in and see the office. Some operation you have yeah, going on here. It's big all right over there. Yeah. yeah it, it always feels, I remember the first time I walked into that office, it felt very kind of a little bit intimidating because there's just so many people heads down working but it's actually nice. I, for someone office. like myself who works at home I would love to have an office environment like that. Really? Yeah I'm such a people person so uh, working at home alone the whole time I come into offices and I'm like can I just rent a desk for yeah. a while? Yeah. <laughs> it's always the other side it's always like grass is greener because I would love mm. to work at home as well so I suppose it's always uh, what you don't have but um, let's talk about your book. So you have a new book out, No Fuss Vegan, which we're going to talk about in a little mm -hmm. while. But firstly, we're going to start with our game. So it's called okay. Six Words or Less. And it's for any of our listeners and readers of Her.E who may not know who you are, which isn't that many people, but you're luckish. Six words or less, you have to describe yourself in your own time. Okay. Um, oh, uh, I would say I am creative. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious slash nosy. <laughs> yeah. Two different things. No, no, no yeah. I'm curious. I'm more curious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a better way of saying it. Uh, I am adventurous. Mm -hmm. uh, I am affable. I could talk oh. to a wall. Like, just love talking to people. Uh, if you stop me on the street, you're gonna want. Like, after a while, you're like, how do I get away from this person? <laughs> that is me. Uh, I am. Ooh, okay, what have I said? I'm silly. Silly. Um, and I'm changing. Changing. Yeah. They're great words. We yeah. haven't had affable before. One of my favorite words as well. I love it. Yeah, I think, you know what? It's, I've always, you know what? So some people come up to me the whole time yeah. and it's always when I met my sister or my boyfriend, someone comes up to me and I'm talking to them. And when I leave them, my sister's like, do you know them? I'm like, no, no, I just met them. She's like, you were talking to them like you, the conversation was like you'd known each other for your whole lives. You yeah. know, like you were friends from school or whatever. So I definitely get comfortable with people quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I could talk to anyone. It's I just really love talking to people. It's really good to be able to do that as mm. well, especially in your line of work. I suppose talking about your career, and we are going to get to the book because uh, it's incredible. And I was looking through it there over the last few days. Uh, so many incredible recipes, and I really do want to try them all. I've got some things I need you to help me with as well. Um, but going back a little bit first, so the evolution of your career is something that I find really interesting because, like you said, people come up and talk to you so we all know you we know your face from Miss Universe mm -hmm. Ireland and it's crazy to think that that was 2010 so I think this is the perfect time to kind of talk to you about that because it's a full decade later and we're starting a new decade as well um I suppose did you see your career going a certain way back then when all of that Miss Universe and, and modeling was happening at the beginning of your career one thing about me and I usually say this when people ask me like what you know, what will you be doing next year? Yeah. Or did you think about where you're going to be now? I go with the flow. I'm one of those people that just goes with the flow. I really don't overthink things at all. Yeah. Um, and like, obviously I have goals and what I'd like to do, but in this job, nothing is predictable. Yeah. And you know that as well, like yeah. in this, in this kind of, especially in our own working environments, we kind of have to embrace the chaos. Like every day is changing. Um, so I had no idea what way 
everything was going to pan out. Uh, even when I went to college, I had no ambition to be a model whatsoever. Like obviously, you know, I was thinking I was the era of, you know, America's Next Top Model and all those TV shows. And yeah, they were really fun to watch. Did I ever think I was going to be a model? No way. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, growing up, having the opportunities to live in New York and get to travel and meet so many different people. I definitely grew up a lot faster. Yeah. Um, but saying that, I never, ever planned any of it. Yeah, and like, I suppose at the height of all of that, you know, um, I was reading that you had been offered th these contracts all over the world. You got to travel. Um, amazing opportunities that came to you quite young. I mean, and then when you kind of came back to Ireland and, and kind of established your career here. Was that something, did you always want to have a career kind of base in Ireland or was it something that you had even thought about or like you said, did it just happen and you were like going with the flow? Because I know like after you became kind of famous in Ireland, you did a few different reality shows and, mm. and things like this. Like I watched you on MasterChef and all that kind of stuff. Um, so was Ireland always a place that you wanted to settle down? Um, so if I'm being completely honest, I always wanted to live in New York. Growing right. up, we would go there during the summer times. Our parents would kind of send us off because their best friends lived over there. So they didn't have to pay for accommodation. They could get rid of us, get cheap flights. <laughs> yeah. um, and get going over there and obviously getting the chance to model there, two things I never thought I would get to do. I love Ireland, but I think growing up, I, I grew up in Tipperary, I always kind of felt like I wanted to live abroad and yeah. live in a big city because that's what I craved. But the reason I came home was because I, to be honest with you, I guess in modeling terms, failed. Right. I was never going to be the correct size for what my agencies wanted. And I got to the stage where I was okay with that. Yeah. And I just wanted to come home and not have that pressure anymore. Mm. So coming home wasn't thought out. It wasn't like, I want to come home and establish a career here. It was really for my own mental health. Right. And I mean, like, in saying that, you have spoken a lot over the years about the effect that that had on you in terms of your own image of your body. Because, like, honestly, Roz, when we we're looking at pictures of you online and in magazines, perfection is the only word that could come to terms because, you know, it was unattainable for, for most women. Um, and then to kind of hear you say that it was something that you failed at is, is obviously, it's quite shocking, like, for us because we obviously only saw one side of that. Mm. We saw you doing incredibly well and, and succeeding. How tough was it kind of being in that modelling industry? Like, you talked about the pressure from your agency and stuff like that. I mean, that must have been quite rough for you. Like, what was it like being in that bubble for a while? Yeah, there's a few things about this. I suppose, like you're saying, oh, it looked really unattainable. It was yeah. also unattainable for me. Like, I was really putting myself and my body under such strain yeah. to look a certain way. And I was just trying to live up to what everyone expected and what I thought I should be. And obviously I was, you know, what I expect. I went into an industry that was completely based on aesthetics. So I didn't yeah. go into it blindly. I knew right. what I was getting involved with, but I guess I didn't realize how tough it would be. And it really started to trigger this really bad relationship I had with my body. I blamed my body for not looking a certain way. And I blamed my love of food for not being able to do a job I actually really enjoyed at the time. Um, so look, obviously, you know, that's how I kind of started a rough road with eating disorders and things like that. And being in an industry where people only see you as basically a paycheck yeah. and your body is how they can make more money. 
you know, that is the industry in itself. And yes, it, it's definitely changing for the better. Mm. Um, although I'm not in it now, so I'm not sure. Are we just thinking it's changing for the better or not? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really, really tough. And it definitely affected me for a long, long time. Mm. But I'm really lo lucky that, you know, I went and I got help and I came home and I just listened to what was more important. And my ego wasn't that important and I think that's why I was trying to stay for so long because yeah. I didn't want to be a failure um but I'm very happy that I just came home and I yeah. just you know just went with it just went with it yeah. came home and decided that it wasn't for me I wasn't naturally someone who was ever going to be the shape that um I was asked to be yeah um saying that though like it was only when I got home I definitely think my eating disorders got worse right um I think it was because I could uh I think anyone who suffered with eating disorders, routine is a huge part of it. Yeah. And being at home gave me that routine. Whereas when I was abroad and traveling, you kind of don't have any routine. Yeah. How did your family react while you were going through this? Because obviously like starting off on such a, a massive kind of uh, global platform, you know, in terms of your modeling. Um, but then, as you said, you struggled a lot throughout it. Like, I mean, for your sister and, and for your parents and for your immediate family, did they know that something was off with you? Did they know that this wasn't the healthiest option in terms of your career path? Or were you, like you said, kind of adamant that this was what you were going to do? Well, regardless? I think with anyone who's ever suffered like disordered eating yeah. or, you know, there's so many different types of it. You're very good at hiding it. Yeah. So, you know, everyone was kind of very much unaware. And um, I didn't really talk a lot about myself. Like, I'm a very different person. I don't really talk about a lot about myself now, but I was a very different person from my, in my early 20s, a very, very different person. I was very introvert. And I didn't really right. talk about what was going on. I just didn't like to talk. If anyone asked me any questions about work or what was going on with me or how it was, I would just change the subject. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, no one really had the chance and nice. I didn't really spend much time with other people, to be honest, in those few years. But um, I guess looking back now, my parents, you know, were kind of typical tip parents, kind of like, oh, well, she dealt with it anyway. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Um, but obviously, you know, my sister... Uh, she had a very rough time got getting diagnosed with CML. So that was a huge changing point for me. Yeah. And looking, I suppose, at my body, not just as a, a thing that's for show, but has an actual function. And it does so much for us every single minute that we take for granted. So I guess um, a huge family uh, thing like that was a trigger for me to actually go get help and change my mindset. Yeah, it's incredible because on your social media and stuff, you've spoken about how especially with disordered eating, it is very specific to each person in terms of what is that turning point for mm. them in order to go and get help. Um, and it's incredible to see you kind of talk about that as well. And like, I see the responses that you get when you post those kind of things. In terms of, you said there earlier, like the love of food that you had almost stopped you from being able to do the job that you really enjoyed. Let's talk about that a little bit because this is your third cookbook. Mm. It's not It's not your first. And... Uh, I mean, like the amount of work that has gone into that book and in general, I would imagine that the amount of work. But before we talk about how you actually decided to kind of get into cookbooks and, mm -hmm. and going about the research when it comes to recipes, um, has food always been like that really, really important thing in your life in terms of like is in cooking and, and all that kind of stuff? Has that been something that you've always been really interested in? Yeah. Growing up, I grew up 
uh, mainly spending all my time with my grandparents because my mum was a, a principal of a primary school and my dad was a farmer. So they were both flat out yeah. all day. So my grandparents were kind of like, you know, free uh, childcare. So we spent, I spent all my time with them and my grand just baked and cooked all day long. So mm. that's just kind of how I grew up in the kitchen, learning how to cook. So it was always a hobby for me. It was yeah. something I really enjoyed. I like to be creative. And like the thing about creating cookbooks and recipes, it's actually the fact that Doing it, obviously, I get great satisfaction. Working with your hands is very therapeutic, but it's actually creating something for someone else. Yeah. I get so excited when I create a recipe and it's like so good and delicious. I'm like, I can't wait to share this with people. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, the way they say one of the best things in life is actually giving. Yes. R creating a re recipe and sharing it is it kind of that, that same thing. You're like giving something to someone. Uh, so I think that's always been the buzz about cooking for me. Yeah. And I suppose food, I'm such a food, I love eating. Like I love trying new food. Yeah. If I go to a restaurant, I get so excited to see what's on the menu. I love having people over. And, you know, I think cooking is one of those things where it brings people together. Yeah, It really does. So when I started modeling and obviously having that factor, I was being measured quite a lot and not ever meeting my measurements. It was one of those things where I was, I wish I didn't like food as much. Yeah. And I know that sounds ridiculous because we need food to live. Yeah. But you know that you have people who are kind of like, oh, yeah, I just forgot to eat today or they're just not into food yeah. as much. I used to be like, why can't I just be like that? Yeah, And I mean, I suppose like people as well, like, normal people who aren't in that industry, like we're not getting measured after every meal. So like yeah. that must have been a really tough thing mm. for you to be loving food so much, but then for it to like essentially be a hindrance on your career. But mm. so when, when that kind of stopped in terms of the modeling and you were able to like fully embrace <laughs> your love of food, how did that feel for you? Was that like incredibly freeing to eventually be like, I'm going to eat whatever the fuck I want and I don't really care? Yeah, and it took a long time. And I yeah. think a lot of people who, you know, come out the other side of disordered eating, it doesn't just happen all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, it definitely takes a long time. And it was only really when I did my podcast Bite Back, that's yeah. when I felt like I was okay to talk about it. Right. And, you know, I'd gone and got help for a number of years before that and was definitely on my journey to recovery. But it wasn't really until then where I felt like I was okay to talk about it. I knew I was fully recovered. And I don't ever see myself relapsing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, all, all, it's definitely easier to talk about a subject when you know you're at the other side of it and I can talk about it practically and rationally and what I did to actually help me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big relief. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's affected so much more than just being able to eat what I want and not feel guilty. My personality has completely changed, my outlook, my, I suppose, my own judgment of my self-worth, how yeah. I view myself, there's so much has changed. And um, I think the biggest thing is, and a lot of people may not know this if you have never, suffered an eating disorder, but you might know someone who is going through it. It's not really always about food. It's yeah. a kind of control aspect and it's, um, it's overwhelming. It takes control of absolutely every aspect of your life. Um, it affects whether you're going to say yes or no to going out or yeah. going on a holiday and things like that. So it's just freedom. Yeah. I mean, I suppose being in the public eye as well and, and kind of, you know, talking about things so openly now in the place that you are in your life. Um, I know that sometimes people who struggled with things like that in the past and when you've come through it and when you're on the other side, does it ever bother you? because you're now almost like a poster girl for somebody who's kind of gotten through it and people are constantly asking, like I'm sitting here asking you all about it as well. It's it's become something that people look to you 
to kind of answer. And um, for somebody who's been through it, does that ever get to you? Or do you know that it's almost a little bit like a responsibility to talk about it in order to maybe reach other people who might be going through it? Well, I think when you have a platform, you can either use it right or mm. use it in a wrong way. And I think you've, you, it's so obvious you can see it on social media, like a lot of people with profiles just use it as a way for validation or they use it to feed their own ego. And I guess I find even this industry such a weird thing, even yeah. the word celebrity is such a strange thing. And I guess growing up, would I ever have wanted to be well known? Probably not, because life is just a little bit easier when people are not watching you. Um, yeah, but it's fair. I think I, you know, I'm at a stage where I do now, so I want to use it right and share a journey that I've gone on and also be a voice for the people, be a voice for the, sorry, how am I trying to read this now? I suppose what I wanted to do was be the voice that I needed to hear in my early 20s, if that right. makes sense. It makes complete sense. Yeah. So I don't look at it as, as a responsibility. All I'm doing is sharing my story, Yeah. which I don't think I ever, I honestly, you know what? For the past two years, I kind of felt this overwhelming sense of responsibility. And since Bite Back, I definitely have gone and got back, gone to go and get back, get help again, because yeah. it is overwhelming when people are sharing their stories because, you know, you want to, you know, give them as much help as you can, but you are kind of taking on a lot, yeah. um, a lot of emotion. So it is really important, I think, for me and for everyone who does contact me to remember that I'm sharing my journey because the only thing that helped me was professional advice and help. And yeah. I can't give that to people. And it's All I can yeah. do is share my journey and share that I got through it and how I did it was actually getting professional help. Yeah, it's crucial because like 10 years ago, you know, um, we weren't seeing people in the media being as honest as you're being now. You know, I saw like a, a really excellent tweet there during the week and it was about Kiss magazine. Have you yeah. have you seen that that's back? Mm -hmm. um, so that was like a teen magazine back in the day and stuff. And now it's, it's for teens, like Irish kind of 14 to 17 year olds. And the whole messaging behind it is so different than what like I remember reading teen magazines when I was 15, 16. And mm -hmm. it wasn't about self-care or positive body image. It was just that kind of... How it, to lose uh, five pounds in a week. Like and it was literally. like, what to do to please your boyfriend and all this kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually saw they wrote an amazing article about um, the big YouTube blogger, Nikki, coming out as transgender. Yes, yeah. and, I was, and it was like, what do, what, what do you need to know about being a transgender ally? Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. It's just the messaging now, I think, is just a lot more positive. Mm -hmm. And it, it's great to see that happening because it has to be hitting younger girls. And I mean, like, I know that it affects boys as well. And I know that men suffer from, from eating disorders too. But it is predominantly young women who are being kind of, you know, thrown all of this stuff from a very young age. So it's great to kind of see that the, the messaging is changing. Yeah, and you know what I have to say? I actually think it's a real mix. I don't think it's predominantly females. Since doing by back and, you know, I think it's more females come and talk about it. Yeah. But I actually think there's a lot of males, especially younger generation males, who feel this huge pressure to look a certain way, like and like to be muscly, to be lean, to be ripped. Yeah. And that's a disorder, that's going to lead to a disordered eating pattern anyway you know Absolutely. and a huge pressure to like take steroids or whatever it is so I definitely think it's affecting everyone I just think maybe from my side I have more engagement with females yeah. and my following so I just probably see that more but it's usually when I go on 
high clients or I meet people, it's mums who are telling me about their sons. And it's yeah. like, wow. And so, that, like, I think young men as well, like they don't feel that they can even talk about it at all because that's, no. it's very much not spoken about as much. And whenever mm. I do hear a case of, of uh, a man who has an eating disorder, like I am com being completely honest, I am like, oh, okay, like that's, it's different because we just mm. don't hear about it yeah. as much, but it, but it affects everybody. Um, I suppose in terms of like your own online persona and on Instagram, I've noticed like a really big change and even the pictures that you're posting kind of recently, I saw that you posted a great um, post there during the week about failures and mm. I was, I read it and I, I was reading some of the comments on, on things like that. Um, a really brave post to kind of come out and say, literally like listing off some of the failures that you've experienced in your life. Um, why did you feel that you wanted to, to share that? And, and did you feel like, were you nervous before you like click post or? Um, I guess for me, so I started this thing called Content Content. Yes. And I do it every Monday. And it was kind of because I feel social media, it's one of those things where every week I go, why am I on social media? I do not enjoy it. Yeah. I find it a really hard place to be. Really? Um, it's time wasting. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> shocked by how much I'm on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, you just end up comparing yourself to other people. No, well, the majority of people on there are just sharing these just unattainable lifestyles. And, you know, this is bringing it back to, you know, you would look at me or anyone would look at me 10 years ago and be like, it's so unattainable how yeah. she looks, whatever. But I didn't even think I looked like that. Yeah. And, you know, you might have thought I looked a certain way, but like I didn't feel like that. I was probably at my lowest ever. So, yeah. you know, I think pictures can be very misleading. Yeah. And I think that social media is a lot of that. Mm. And I think it needs to have a change and it needs to be like influencers and everyone out there to start kind of changing their content. Yeah, you can still make it like, you know, obviously we all want to share highlights. It can't just become a page where everyone's just like crying on yeah. it and things like that. You know, I get that. No one, you know, like, you know, there is a thing of like being inspirational and things like that as well. But it just, I don't enjoy it. So mm. I guess, as I said earlier, like I have a, a presence online, like I can do good with it or bad with it. If I leave the room, there, what's the use? I could either stay in the room and, and say something good. Yeah. So, um, so I the guess, content content is about just being a little bit more honest and a bit more authentic. Well, it's like, I suppose even the words is like content as in like happy yeah. content because, and I, you know, maybe talking about failures isn't necessarily like, you wouldn't think that's the happiest thing, but it makes them normal. Like so many people, yeah. like everyone starts sharing all their failures. And even for me, like sometimes I feel like in the public eye, I have to almost hide mine. Yeah. Because otherwise it's kind of quite shameful and it's publicly yeah. shameful. So being able to share them was first of all, like, oh, phew. It, it is liberating. liberating. Mm. And secondly, like seeing everyone's responses, sharing theirs, it makes it more normal. And other women seeing each other's failures, you know, like one woman, and I actually know her and I'd never known that she's like, oh, I went out on my own, set up my own business and lost some of my biggest clients in the process. Didn't work out. I had to go back with my tail between my legs, yeah. but I'm happy now again. And at least I tried it. And I'm like, wow, I never even knew that about you, you know? Yeah. And it kind of, I think as women, I know I do, like when I have a failure, it really makes me fearful for a long time yeah. to try again. Well, it's perceived as a weakness. Failure has always been associated with uh, being in, in certain circumstances, like that's a weakness you didn't, 
you didn't completely and utterly reach what you wanted to reach mm -hmm. with that. But the amount of people as well that if you fail at something, like I remember when I was like I was fired from a job, my very first job, and it literally transformed my entire career in terms of like the path that I mm -hmm. went on. But the the immediate thing that I felt was complete shame and just shame. like, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough, uh, you know, shouting about getting this great job and then mm -hmm. failing at that. Like it's, it's something that everybody feels, but it's, it's essentially what you do straight after the failure yeah. that's going to kind of completely transform it. And I guess the thing about it is, like we we're saying, when you go through something and you have a failure, the your first reaction is shame and you want to hide it and not yeah. tell anyone. But when I'm 85, 90, I'm old, I'd much rather be like, I tried everything and I failed rather than doing, I did one thing and I did it mediocre. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? It makes so much and sense. And I definitely think it's something we, we need to talk about more. And even after that post, I actually feel quite reignited to try new yeah. things and try something I've been wanting to do, but I have this fear of failing. Like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Because to be honest with you, it's real life. It's totally normal. And I definitely think social media needs more normal. Absolutely. Um, whatever about your failures, there's massive successes as well. I mean, your three cookbooks stand to that. And you have The Hike Life as well as mm -hmm. Bite Back, your podcast. Um, in terms of this No Fuss Vegan book, can you talk me through the process that you went when coming up with the recipes? How do you even come up with a recipe to, so, to start with? First of all, okay, No Fuss Vegan, you know, I guess my, my other two cookbooks, they include absolutely everything, you know, there's... It's a stunning book as Thank well. you so like, much. It's really, really um, nice. So I suppose my third book, for, first of all, I wanted to do something that was completely different. That's why I went down kind of more uh, a vegan route. Yeah. And my cookbooks on my blog have always very much shattered how I eat. Yeah. And over the past two, three years, I have definitely transitioned a little bit to cooking vegan at home. Um, so the book, it was obviously a bit more natural if I was kind of cooking how I cook. And I guess for me, I always listen to the feedback that my followers on Natural Room Feeder give me. Yeah. And you know, social media is has its great points in that it's basically free surveys. And everyone just wants vegan recipes now. Yeah, and the thing is, I think it's important to note that this, it's not necessarily for full-blown vegans mm. all the time. Like, the, this is, and like, I'm looking through the recipes, like, the recipes just look so delicious as well. It's good food, but obviously it's plant-based and it's, it's for people who are, you know, eating vegan. But it's not necessarily, like, if you're not a vegan that you can't enjoy it too, because that's, it's something crucial, especially at this time of year. People, a lot of people are doing Veganuary, mm -hmm. and some people in the media are pissed off with vegans as well. Like, I mean, you just have to watch Piers Morgan, and he just is out for yeah. them. I don't know why he's such an angry, angry man. Um, um, so I guess with this book, it was really, aside, you know, obviously the name, if you want to be vegan, want to eat more veg, get the book. If you are, if you're ardent, I yeah. think you'll still enjoy the book because all I'm really doing is champion vegetables, making mm. vegetables the center of your plate and showing you how to cook vegetables in a great way. As Irish people, we all know how to cook our meat, chicken, our eggs, our fish, yep. whatever. We have been born and bred on that stuff. Um, but when it comes to vegetables, we kind of tend to like boil them or seal them to death and they're kind of an afterthought, like, oh, yeah. I better throw them onto the plate. And we need to just start embracing vegetables. Yeah, there's the, what's the one in this now? I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it's the cauliflower that you, like, 
it's coated, but it's like... Oh, so collie wings or the garam masala? I think, is it the bite? They're like in the lunch section, so it's the bites and... I think it's the collie wings. Maybe it's the collie wings, but oh my God, it just looks... Like the food looks delicious and the lunchtime tacos and things like this. Just things that like you would eat and you would go and you would spend a huge amount of money on. Yeah, and I guess for me, a huge part was showcasing that if you want to eat vegan... Yeah. Um, if you just want to eat more vegetables, it's not all salads. Yes, that's the thing you know? that I think people are afraid yeah. of as well. And um, also, you know, like I say in the book, I think it's when I hear people who are like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be vegan. Mm-hmm. Or people who are like, I'm trying to be vegan, but I'm finding it really hard. Well, then don't try to be vegan. Yeah. Don't put <laughs> just, extra pressure. Yeah, yeah. Just eat more vegetables. And if you want to have something now and again, have something now and again. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think people always say to me, I get question I get asked the most is, what do you miss? And I'm like, if I missed it, I just have it. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's the thing. I love that in the book, it, it's kind of broken up into, and you should just go out and buy it because you'll see yourself. It's broken up to breakfast, lunch and dinner, which is fantastic mm-hmm. because there's so many um, incredible options like uh, the banana muffins and things like this. Like I need to cook it all. Um, but when you're creating the recipes for a cookbook, mm-hmm. do you ever like do a misstep? Do you ever get it wrong? Or how oh, do you come about? Yeah, the whole like, time. What's the process? So there's usually kind of three ways I make recipes. Uh, number one, is challenges so that could be you know you'll see it in some of the recipe sections you know um for example my friend sean he was like i want a really good vegan bakewell tart so i was like a challenge to make a really good one of those or my dad was like i really want a good vegan black pudding yeah so there's a vegan black pudding there's a shepherd's pie in this as well yeah there's loads so challenges that people set out for me like i want a vegan version of this yeah um number two would be i get so much inspiration from traveling and trying Mm. new foods so even when I was traveling at Christmas, I had this amazing, it was like macadamia nut ice cream Nutella cake thing. Yeah. Now, it wasn't exactly that, but it was like those flavors. And I was like, I want to recreate a vegan one of those when I get home. Yeah. Um, and number three would just be like MacGyver moments in the kitchen. You know, I get home after a long day and I'm like, I really want something comforting. And like, mm. what do I have in my press? I'm just going to whip something up. And there are always failures. Yeah. And I guess now it's become a little bit easier, you know, with the years of having a food blog that I'm like, Okay, say, for example, if I want to make a vegan tiramisu, I'm like, okay, I'm, this is how I make a sponge base because mm. I have loads of recipes that I've made sponge bases. This is how I, you know, the, I break it up into what I need yeah. or what are the components of a recipe and have I already made versions of them. Yeah, I if think that makes what, sense. what I find really interesting about the book as well is that, um, and this is one of the things that I find so interesting when people talk about veganism that you know there's a fear almost that they're going to be hungry all the time and that they're just not going to be able to or they're eating too many potatoes Mm. and and things like this it seems to me that a lot of the recipes like when I was looking through them you know there's one or two things that if you have in your cupboard it's not like I have to go out and buy a rake of vegan ingredients to make this dinner do you know like I mean if you have coconut milk and if you Mm. have some kind of like uh like vegan milk or vegan protein in your cupboard already it kind of makes a lot of these and like a shit ton of beans like lentils and black beans and kidney beans it makes it easier and like the recipes aren't me going like okay well where am I going to find this it's very accessible yeah and I guess for me it was really important to have a book that people weren't having to message me like where do I get this I have to go to Timbuktu to get this strange powder or whatever so Yeah. yeah I kind of made sure anything in the book I could get in Tesco. That was my main. That that's was my a really thing. good thing to have. Yeah. Hook. Yeah. So um, that's what I kind of did. Like, if there was a, an ingredient I wanted to use, I had to be able to get it there. Yeah. Now there is a fairly big one by my house, so right. you know. Um, and I guess for me, it's just 
if you, like everyone knows where you can get vegetables, you can get yeah. tin beans and stuff like that. You can make anything from those. Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, it's a great book and I'm excited to kind of, oh, that was the other thing as well. Uh, the Proats, I'd probably say that wrong. Proats, Proats, Proats. Proats, I was like, what are Proats? Pro oh, the Proats, yeah, the yeah. Pro the Proats are like the thing that people make the most. Yeah, because I mean, it's like, mad. would you have that for breakfast? I would probably yeah, yeah. have that, yeah, for breakfast yeah, yeah. or for and, lunch, You know, maybe. it's a great thing if you're traveling a lot because um, uh, I would have to fly to London and I'd always make it for the flight. Yeah. Because they can't take it off you because it's, you know, it's, they can't take it they off, can't take you, it off yeah. you. And it's like having cake. It's so comforting yeah. and satisfying. I wonder if I could get the sweet corn fritters through security as oh, well. They, they are so good. So I haven't made them, but I, I want to make yeah, them. Yeah, they're like, really delicious. And they're actually really, they're really easy to make. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. that's going to be like my next challenge. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask kind of what's coming up. So obviously, No Fuss Vegan, mm -hmm. you're going to be promoting this. It's in... Bookshops now, it's available. Bookstores all over, yeah. Amazing. Um, did you, I, I have to ask you about this. I saw something last week. Did you know that you were on a, a website for your feet? Oh my God, I somehow knew you were going to ask this question. <laughs> Someone messaged me. I don't know what it was. Sorry, Roz, I didn't mean to bring and it up right yeah. after the book thing, but... Wiki feet. Wiki feet, it's a thing. It's for foot fetishes. What the hell? So and people you, rate your feet. Yeah, people... So your feet are doing... Now, I didn't go on... four out of a five, not bad. I didn't go on because yeah. I didn't want that to be in my search history, I like know. Roz Purcell's but, feet, wiki feet. But uh, foot but fetishes, like, apparently you've got really nice hooves really nice hooves you know and like they had all these photos and videos from my social media and like zoomed up of my feet and I was like oh my god and it's actually made me be like <laughs> okay I'm going to get a 5 out of 5 like I'm going to polish these oh, bad boys so for my next videos nice. and photos you know what I mean like yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be on the website I want to be the best you know give the people what they want exactly, yeah. I think Vogue Williams as well is on, is on it oh, as well is she? I don't know what rating she okay. has but uh <laughs> I'm sure you're. Did I mention doing... I was competitive? <laughs> Checking what you on now. Best feet in town. Yeah. Um, that's the weirder side of, of yeah. celebrities. So yeah, I just wanted to to see whether you were aware of it. I'm sure you are. Um, and uh, what's coming up for you then next? What's going on? Um, so obviously, like hike life, bite back, no fuss vegan mm -hmm. now. Like you're you're literally you're busy, busy, busy. Yeah, I guess like the hike life is one of those things where I just kind of started it. I just do it. Okay, so online and I think in general we're always asking people to help us, give yeah. us stuff like, you know, we have books, we have merchandise yeah. and stuff like that. It's like, get this, get that. You should buy this, swipe up to get this. That I got to a stage where I wanted to give something back and hiking has always been something I've shared. And I think that's the good thing about social media. It can, it can connect people yeah. and it can share a positive as well. So um, I just started inviting people to hike with me and now it's obviously become this this thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. And we have schedules and I just hire qualified guides and people register just to come along for free and they donate to charities on the day. So it's great. Yeah. And we have them. Uh, I love the way we say, I say we. It's always just me. <laughs> I, I talk about myself in the plural. <laughs> like I have a team. It's come just on me. Down. It's just me. And, here. Here. <laughs> and I do this in my spare time. And yeah, it just goes all over Ireland now. And it's, it's really good fun. Yeah. And like, I'm just burning the ear off everyone on the walk. And they're just like, please stop talking. But like, <laughs> so many people do that kind of thing at the weekends anyway. Mm. People are always looking for different things to do other than just going to a pub and stuff exactly. like that. Hiking is so much fun. But yeah. it's it's great that you're, I suppose, like offering it out to, to your followers mm -hmm. and stuff like that free, because a lot but, of people yeah. don't have other people to go with yeah or a lot of people just don't know a route to take they're afraid to get lost so uh, we do everything from you know 
uh, beginner hikes right up to the Karen Tool and I'll be bringing it to the UK this year. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Hiking boots, though, you won't be able to get a look at Roz's feet on the hike, okay? Oh, for any like, no, wrapped up in boots and <laughs> for socks. For any uh, yeah. <laughs> wiki fee people who might just rock up to the mountains. Um, no Fuss Vegan is out now. Roz, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was so much coming fun. In. Yeah, it's been brilliant. And uh, I'm going to try every single recipe. Okay, you better. And you better I'll tag me. Back. I will tag, tag me. I'll tag the okay. shit out of you. Yeah, I hope that they look good, though. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm not tagging. Thank you so thank much. You.